This podcast is sponsored by Barclay Estates and Management Bristol. Whether you're a landlord or a tenant, Barclay Estates and Management are committed to providing you with the best possible service. We provide a hassle-free service for landlords and access to properties all over Bristol and the surrounding areas. Welcome to Three Peeps in a Podcast, Robins Reunited. We are here at the High Performance Centre on the Stars of the 60s weekend, and I'm joined by Ian Broomfield. Ian, how are you, sir? Very well, thank you. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, so, Ian Broomfield, born in Bristol, in Hembury, I That's understand. Right. That's right. Yeah, um, in 1950, a striker with 27 appearances from 68 to 71 and two goals. Uh, tell us about growing up in Hembury and Bristol, memories of, of that. Well, Hembury was a, uh, at the time, uh, was a rugby school. Yeah. We had Welsh teachers, we had Welsh internationals, uh, internationals. we had uh, Roy Dash who played for the uh, British Lions. So everything was uh, rugby. Mm. Um, I started following the city, my friends, all my friends were Rovers, but we never played, uh, the only time we played football was, it was strange that I, uh, I've been selected for Bristol Boys um, uh, rugby mm. <coughs> and selected for the All England trials at 15. Uh, but the, uh, the history teacher uh, saw me playing football with the tennis balls in the tennis courts break and uh, invited me down to Bristol Boys oh, right. trial for the football. And uh, I came down to Ashton Park, rugby shirt on. They said, well, you're from, uh, you're from Henbury. I said, yes. They said, oh, stand on the side, son. I stood on side, last 20 minutes, they put me on, they said, uh, just go left wing, because no one plays left wing, no one can play left wing. I, that 20 minutes, I think, is probably the finest football I played, because Why? that finished, and then Les, Les Barnsley, who was the physio, I've mm-hmm. been watching, yep. grabbed hold of me and said, I want to take you to see the manager, Fred Ford. And then I joined as a, uh, I stayed on uh, an extra year at school mm-hmm. in Henbury, and then joined uh, Bristol City when I was 16. And, um, in 67 made my debut when I was 16 in a friendly match at Cheltenham and that's how I uh, uh, I remember ringing up uh, the rugby people and saying that I couldn't play rugby for Bristol anymore and I was banned from playing sport for two months at school Why? because I'd chosen football instead of uh, and that Bristol Boys team was a, a trip with Jeff Merrick uh, David Rogers John Mahoney yeah. uh, there were some good players there well what a, what a story I mean, you, <clears> wouldn't, you wouldn't have that in the modern day, would you? You know, no. it's uh, no. it's quite a quite an interesting one. You 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 made your league debut away to Sheffield United, aged eighteen. That's right. Your your memories of that and the team you were in. John Galley was injured, and it was always difficult because you had John Galley, Chris Garland at the time, and um, John was injured, and I played with Chris up front. I always remember walking out to uh, Sheffield United. It was a cricket pitch. Half the stadium was uh, the football stadium, and you had the cricket pitch on the other side. I remember walking out, uh, I'm standing on the centre spot and thinking, I've made it, I've done it, you know, it's, uh, it, it's uh, 18 years of age. Strange feeling, but yeah, that was the start of it. Amazing. We're looking at a picture now on screen um, with quite a, an interesting formation, yes. uh, a, a team photo. You've got almost <laughs> three guys at the front and then six in the middle and then the rest of the team and the whole squad behind, really. But there you are. Pick out some of the people on there. On there. You've got, yeah, Mike Gibson there, obviously. Alan Skirt next to me on uh, Jerry Sharp, David Rogers on the outside, Chrissy Garland, yeah. uh, Trevor Tainton, Dickie Brooks, Gordon Parr. Yeah, 
So as a as a as an eighteen year old, presumably in that photo, playing with some of your some of your heroes there. It was, you yeah. Know, especially as a young boy coming uh, coming to watch, uh, growing up watching Bristol City, and then suddenly, within a couple of years of school, you're playing in the first team. A big thing. Fantastic. There's there's a guy there on the on the front row. <coughs> this chap. Am I am I right in thinking that he was the first black footballer in the in I don't to know. play for Bristol I, City? I that was Steve Stacey and Steve. I'm not sure where Steve left him, went to. I know he ended up playing in Australia, but he was highly thought of Steve. But Steve had injury problems, mm. uh, like myself. When I was in, when, when I was 18, I got uh, injured at the England youth team with Jeff Merrick. Yeah. Uh, with my Achilles tendon, and that was a an ongoing issue until I finished football. When I was about 26. Why? Wow. Okay, we've we're joined now by Brian Speedy Drysdale as well. Thank you for joining us, Brian. Um, we've just uh, heard about Ian's debut and how, um, how and when he joined Bristol City. You are from Wingate in Durham, yeah. in, born in 1943 as a left back. Yeah. 330 appearances and four goals for Bristol City. Signed from Hartlepool for 10k, where you played under Brian Clough and Peter Taylor. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yes. Yeah. Your memories of, of joining and signing for Bristol City? Oh, brilliant! Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Well, it's great for me coming from Hartlepool, Bristol City. Yeah. I didn't know what to expect coming, you know, around sort of south and that. You know. But um, as soon as I come down, I met uh, Bruce Garland mm. in in the cafe at the top. Well, I just forget the name, wasn't it? Fred. 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 Yeah. yeah. And he said, all right, mate. I said, yeah. I said, he said, what? It's strange. I said, yeah. He goes, I've got to see Alan Dix. I said, he's going to sign me, like. <laughs> oh, he said, come on. He took me straight in. And he said, go on. And he, he told me, well, I thought, well, that's all right. Mm. You know, I, I think I can, I'm going to be all right here, like. And it was just Chris, like, made me feel... There you are. So this is a picture from 1969. Um, we've got Chris Garland in the front row, and there you are, Brian Drysdale. Um, some other some other faces in there as well. We've, we've had Mike Gibson in. Um, you've got Jansen Derek there. What was the What was that team spirit like in in that in that in that game? Oh, absolutely fantastic, really. And they're all good lads, you know. All of them, every one of them, you know, Jack Connor, he was a character, John Galley, you know, Billy Bobby, Kellogg, all characters, Jansen, Alan Skirton, lads who, you know, they, if you had a bad game or something on a Monday or you had a bad result. Yeah. You know, you could rely on them to pull you around a bit, like, you know, you have a bit of gag. That know. was around about that time where I think the team started to change, wasn't it? Alan Dick started to change Change players. it around then, yeah. Alan Briggs right. left, Tony Ford left. Yeah, that's uh, right. Jack, Jack left. Yeah. Um, and uh, he started bringing people in like Bobby Kellard and uh, Dickie Brooks yourself. But, uh, Ken Wimsers. That's right. Oh, Ken was top player. He was. He was top man. And you, you mentioned um, Ian about Alan sort of changing the culture at Bristol he, City. He did. Do you want he, to explain on that one? He did. I remember. I was only sixteen. Um, and I came in under Fred Ford, and Fred Ford was loved. Uh, he was revered. Uh, and Fred got sacked. I remember the atmosphere around the club, even as a young apprentice. It was. It wasn't good. But Alan Dix came in, and uh, in credit to Alan, uh, Alan Dix, he took the club in a different direction. The coaching was more forward, th- not forward thinking, but younger. Um, little things which he did, you know, on the coach. They had the team coach and he put airplane seats in the coaches to make it more comfortable Why? for the players when they're traveling. He had, uh, t- we all had, uh, remember those uh, uh, 
did they go out the middle with um, no, with no. drinks as well? No, no, not that. But I remember the the, the, the suit we had a club suit in there, oh, yeah, and there were oh. black and white check trousers, like chef right, trousers, like chefs, yeah. and everyone was like chefs. <laughs> was wow. like chefs. But it, but Alan Dix with his, he was a lot more structured. Mm. Yeah. There was a the team played to more of a pattern, didn't it? Yeah, you, know, you didn't know. Um, Brian, Brian Brian came in and quick and could handle the football and mm. could uh, you know do. And the very much of the, it was very forward thinking. That's the word. Yeah, yeah we had a system like, but like I said, you were, it was most four four two then, wasn't it? Yeah, you know, it was, that system was played by most teams then. That's right. Like four four two, and then all of a sudden they changed all the yeah. systems over. And so Ian mentioned there that you were quick. Obviously, the nickname Speedy. I thought that was an ironic thing. He was really slow, Jack. But so as as a speedy left back, that would that would adapt really well into the modern game with the wing backs, I guess. Yeah. Well, would you would you would were you operating like that? Or no, not? no. You, if you went forward, you had to get back. Yeah. Yeah. It was there. Yeah, but if you're quick enough, if you went forward, like Jerry Gow would fill in, and you go back, and yeah. Jerry would push on again. Which is what, what, to me what Speedy same. used to be able to do. What he used to zip the ball into Pete. He, okay. was, he was good on the ball. He used to zip it in. Yeah. Did you like to receive a, a, a fast, hard pass? Because you know sometimes people want it to feet. They want it, or they want it softer pass or straight it in front of them. It depends on the as a striker uh, on, the, on, the, on, the, on the situation at the time. Okay. Sometimes if it's really tight, you want the ball in quick. Yeah. If, it, if it's if you've got space, you want to just weight it into you. Yeah. Sometimes though you didn't know where it was going to come. What was going to come around your head, neck, so shoulders? Was, yeah. When was a, you know, we starting to do with the way we played, like probably Cash would float throw it out. Gavin would come off, then the first front man would come in, get knocked in. He'd play back. He'd pull away in the second front man. And that's the only thing I would say in. against what Alan yeah. Dix put a structure in, but. Sometimes it was too much of a structure because it, it, it took a little bit of flair out of your game. Right. Yeah, all right probably. saying that, Brian? Yeah. Know, you, you, you know, if you tried something different, you yeah. know, you'd, you'd have to take the centre half away, drop off, yeah. make a yard, yeah. pass the top, yeah. pop it I, off. I just think, and he just done it, that was the way we wanted to play. But if, if it wasn't on, it wasn't on. You know? That's but right. That's, if, if, if we could do it like that, yeah. or you'd say, well, I played in with Jerry, uh, Jerry Sharp. Yeah. He was playing more then. That's or Danny right. Bartley, and then get it back. Then you know it was it wasn't just looking for that. Mm. So you were part of the promotion winning team, um, and here we can see on screen a picture of you. Recollections of that game at at Highbury, the famous Paul Cheesley goal, obviously. Well, it was just a good performance, really. It's just it's just a good performance, you know. We did very well. The That's goal the cheese got was it was absolutely fantastic. Right? Yeah. I think we've all seen that one numerous times. Need be about now. I think you get loads of goals now. Just just cycling back a little bit. So um, a lot of fans remember the Nottingham Forest League Cup semi final in, in 1989, and then the Man City semi final in 2018. But you were part of the League Cup semi final versus Spurs in 1970. Yeah. Uh, drew the first leg one one goal from Skirton. That was at Ashton Gate, and then lost the second leg two nil at White Hart Lane. Right. I remember it well because Brian, I, w I was dropped. I was dropped, and uh, everyone went up to the uh, for the first leg for the second for the first leg, right? And then for the second leg, the whole club went up to White Hart Lane, and uh, we were supposed to go on the coach. And I said, "No, I make my own way." 
I didn't. I stayed at home. So seething. I was only listen. I was a kid at nineteen. I was still a young boy at nineteen. I mean, it, it, I mean, it was no goals about eighty minutes, and you take up and somebody, and he scored off the goal there, you know, and it ended up two nil anyway. But you must have played against some some big names in that game um, at Tottenham. Gilzine and uh, yeah, um, yeah, Al Chivers, Martin Chivers, Martin Chivers, England, England, Sean Knowles. Yeah, he's there. So Alan Mullery. Rice was it? Was it Rice? But a fantastic achievement, you know. Get get into the the League Cup semi final. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I think you should have done it really, but as I say, if you've got to mark somebody, you've got to mark them. Every yeah. six foot <laughs> um, Coming back to to you, um, Ian. <clears throat> several after football you say you retired early so yes, 26 back, I think you said from South Africa yeah several analysts chief scouting roles including work with Harry Redknapp at Spurs and at Portsmouth try my luck for any Harry stories oh, many, many. <laughs> Harry Harry was uh, Harry was, as a manager he had that one thing which uh, a lot of managed to, managers don't have he had uh, he had a, he had an eye for a player mm. and uh, he wasn't far wrong um, I remember we were at Portsmouth. We won the FA Cup and uh, we got Portsmouth into Europe. One morning, I came in with myself and uh, um, Tony Adams, Joe, Joe Jordan, and Ken, Kevin Bond. And uh, he says, "Right, he said we've got the practice match today against Cardiff. Cardiff coming up." Uh, I said, "Yeah." So he said, "I've got Canu outside." I said, "Canu, Arsenal." He said, "Yeah." Tony Adams said, "Harry, he's 42." <laughs> So he said, don't matter, he's coming up, I'm going to have a look at him. Right. So I said, Harry, he's, he's been released by West Brom, couldn't run. Anyway, we all go out, stood, stood next to Harry, he puts Cano on, the game's going on, ball comes to Cano, within, within the first minute, about 25, 30 yards out, central, flicks it up, volleys it in the top corner. <laughs> he said, Cano, off, get the contract ready. <laughs> <laughs> and that... And at the start of the season, he scored uh, two two at home yeah. in the first game of the season at Fratton Park. And we played up at Middlesbrough. He scored yeah. a hat-trick. And after the game, they had to get a wheelchair to put him on the plane and a wheelchair to meet him down at Southampton Airport. He couldn't walk. His legs had gone. Oh but gosh. that season, he scored the winner at the, in the FA Cup final. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but there are loads of stories with Harry. But That's incredible. We're, one thing with Harry is he's great now. He's so relaxed. You know the jungle and the team. Yeah. And that. As a manager, you hated it, especially as his chief scout and director of football. Mm. If, you, if you lost on a Saturday, and his horses lost, <laughs> then you hated. We were waiting for the phone call to come through. But no, yeah. genius. He had, uh, he had a uh, terrific uh, uh, way of dealing with players. I was going to say that it seemed to me uh, that his man-to-man mm. management mm. of the players. And I'm sure there was almost like a bit of a fine line between friendship and leadership. Harry would always say, it's not about coaches, man. If you've got good players, you've got a good team. Yeah. Good players are sort things out on the pitch. Yeah. And I was lucky I worked with uh, George Graham, Harold Wilkinson, uh, Chris Nicholl, mm-hmm. David O'Leary at Leeds. And then we went to Villa. We built that team at Leeds, Leeds yeah, United, yes. that young team. Right. And we were one probably player. We bought... Um, Rio, we bought Rio from West Ham to play and grow with Jonathan Woodgate. Mm. Of course, then we had the court case with uh, the, with uh, Jonathan. Mm. But the the one the, the part of the jigsaw we wanted, and it came in, um, 
were at David O'Leary's house, we'd signed with Duke, um, and we had Frank Lampard from West Ham up at David's house, and right. we were getting the deal done, and it, that would have been part of the jigsaw, that would have been like like the finish. Yeah. That leads to, finish the article that leads team at the time. And then Ken Bates came in from Chelsea, promised him, gave him riches, and mm. uh, we lost... Uh, and the rest uh, is history, yes. The rest <laughs> is history, <laughs> Um, so you've mentioned some some names there, but is there is there one that sort of stands out for you as the best sort of player you were involved in recruitment of? There are a number. There are a number uh, for value. Uh, uh, Michael Bridges. Okay. He was a young boy of nineteen twenty. Came from Sunderland. I think played about oh, four sure, million for yeah. And that season he was replacing Jimmy Hasselbank, and everyone was saying, "How are we going to replace Jimmy Hasselbank?" But Michael, I think, got about twenty odd goals that year, mm. and we got into the we finished third in the league. But there was, there was Michael Bridges. Uh, Rio, Eleven appearances for Bristol City. Michael Bridges. Did he? Yeah, I just had to check that because I'm sure he. I'm sure he was with us for a little bit. Right, Rio yeah. and uh, Rio and you know we took Rio from West Ham. People thought we were mad paying 18 million, mm. and then he went for 28, 29 million about a year and a half later. Yeah. Um, I, the, the one which got away, uh, uh, I went to Moscow five times with uh, Bidic, the manager of Bidic. Yeah. And we, I was at Aston Villa at the time, and we agreed a deal for five million. And we came back to Aston Villa, taught Doug Ellis, and I didn't realise at the time, but Doug Ellis, Doug Ellis was uh, selling the club, right? And he wanted to keep it in the black, and he said, "I said five million. I said you're going to make tr- it'd be worth twenty million." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we, we did sign Vidic, but to this day he still remains a good friend. Oh, brilliant! Vidic in that, but uh, awesome. Yeah, yeah, and I signed at Tottenham. There's a lot of players at Tottenham, but the yeah. one. Back in 2014-15, Son, I was heavily involved in getting Son oh, to right. the club. Awesome, he's still going, still going very strong. That's right, but no, I've been very lucky. Oh, that's fantastic. Very, very lucky. Thanks for sharing some of those stories with us. And we're, we are here at the High Performance Centre and, and having been at some big Premier League teams, how does this compare what you've seen out here today to some of the Premier League well, teams? It's, it's, first of all, Tottenham is, is the best. Yeah. Is an uh, unbelievable uh, stadium. Uh, the stadium's at t- top notch. Uh, the training ground is is, is wonderful mm. on a bigger scale than this. Mm. But then on the other side of it, I was um, at West Ham on uh, Monday evening, watching West Ham under 23s against Tottenham under 23s, and I was with David Moyes and Stuart Pearce, and we're at this uh, the, the, the small little training ground, whatever. And I said, "This is uh, this is for the academy where where we are now." They said, "No, Ian, this is the first team training facilities." I said, you're joking, mm. because it's nowhere near this. No. This is four or five times better than wow. West Ham. And the facilities have got the training pitches, everything yeah. about it is top-notch. And it's good to see, being a Bristol boy, mm. how Bristol mm. City has gradually moved forward. Yeah. I think the chairman's done well for you. Yeah, absolutely. It's the, the ownership and the money that's being pumped in to world-class training facilities and the ground redevelopment um, have you been back down to the ground? Yeah, I've, you, I've come Oh, you were down, there for the Ashton Gate 8, you were saying? I've come down you? for the Ashton Gate 8. Yeah. Uh, but I come down and watch, obviously, one or two players you've got down here. You've got the young boy, Alex Scott. Yeah, hands off him. Who, yeah. uh, who we've been following, and uh, <laughs> I think it's quite well known anyway. Yeah, but, uh, absolutely. And the boy's a talent. The boy is a, is a talent. He is, he absolutely is. And, it's, and you've got some other good young players as well. Yeah. What's around the front? Yeah, so Antoine yeah. Who is... Off, yeah, yeah. So he switched he, him from white, he was a white he, player, well, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Well, he, I don't know where he was. He's come on, he, so he he's, this he season he's from, come on so much. Yeah. 
and they've got this goalie scoring, he's out wide, he's been chasing, mm. and he's gone forward, and the ball's knocked out, and he's coming, it's 2 0. Yeah. And the, the boy, he, he won, he, he's tremendous. Yeah. For, yeah, to absolutely. me, he, he looked a good player. Yeah. yeah, no, fantastic. Well, we've come to the end of our of our allotted time. So, uh, massive thank you to both of you for for having a chat. No problem, mate. Um, it's you. been a pleasure, and hopefully, we can get three points tomorrow, and you'll be there for the yeah. Peterborough game tomorrow. Fingers crossed. Really yes. Excellent. I look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Thanks for joining us, um, and thanks for listening, everybody. Take care. Appreciate it. Thank you. Okay.